This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I chatted with Elise, who has children born through surrogacy in Thailand. Unfortunately, they were going through uh, surrogacy in Thailand at the time of the baby Gammy saga. So that caused a whole lot of stress and upset for them. But as you'll hear, it ended well and they've gone on to have another child without needing to pursue surrogacy. I'm going to hand over now to Elise. My name is Elise and I'm married to Aidan and I have five-year-old boy-girl twins who were um, conceived by an egg donor and my husband's sperm and carried by a surrogate overseas and I also have a seven-month-old baby girl and she was conceived naturally and carried by myself. That's amazing. I can't wait to hear this story. And as we were just talking about, I also have a story similar to that. My first child is IVF and my second child is not IVF. It was a bit of a surprise conception. So let's go mm-hmm. right back to the beginning. How did you find okay. yourself going to surrogacy? So my husband and I uh, were married in 2008 and I always knew that there was uh, some issues with my fertility. There was going to be issues. So I have polycystic ovaries. Um, I have some scarring in my uterus as well. So they weren't ever sure how I would um, carry a baby, but that wasn't their main concern. It was the PCOS. Um, So we got married and then we, you know, thought let's try and have a baby straight away. And um, we tried obviously the normal natural way they call it. And six months in, we decided that it wasn't working. Um, we, we need some help. So we did Clomid a few times. So I was off to a fertility doctor. Um, you know, they say six months, you have to wait. And so we did Clomid three times, three months in a row, the highest dose. And I just was not um, at all ovulating. And so I started on the IVF path and we did um over quite a few years i think about six years or five and a half years we did 10 rounds of ibf wow um yeah with my own eggs so different you know the first time i overstimulated and was in hospital and then the second time i it just didn't work i got two eggs and then the third time you know so it was all different there was frozen cycles in between there um, and after about the seventh cycle, um, I saw a program on, um, on uh, I think, ABC or SBS, and it was about surrogacy in India. And a friend of mine messaged and said, watch it, watch it, it's my friend. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm watching, I'm watching. And she said, just have a chat to her, just, just have a chat. So um, I got in touch with a lady that had been on that program. And at that stage, we were looking at also adoption. Um, so... I'm partly, I've got a, um, my dad's American, so I have a um, dual citizenship. And so we looked into American adoption. Um, We also looked into adoption in Australia and went through the whole course and local adoption and the three days and all the paperwork. And it's just very difficult. So we ended up looking in America and had legal advice and we spoke to agencies over there. And then we just looked at this surrogacy idea and it was just, I guess we just fell into it. Like we didn't, I had never really considered it. So we asked my sister, um, firstly, just thought I've just got to ask, you know, she said, no, not right now. It's not for her, um, which is totally fine. But she offered her eggs (laughs) and as much as I, uh, she's a few years older and she's very fertile. Um, I 
declined just in terms of having my sister and my husband having a baby together that in my head was a bit too hard for me um many friends and that I know have done it and that's fine but for me it was a bit difficult so can I ask about I that actually because yep, I think um yep. this is a really interesting one because <laughs> being an egg donor myself I yes. you know you kind of think it's just the science I'm making a baby for or assisting yep. somebody else to have a yep. baby there's nothing really intimate yep. between me and the person providing sperm correct on another yep. level it is really really weird to be making a baby with somebody that's not your <laughs> intimate partner or in your yeah. case watching your sister making a baby yeah. with your partner yeah so I don't think you're alone in thinking this is too weird I think <laughs> it was a bit normal. it was just her it was it, it wasn't like it's not her obviously I was very grateful um, that she offered and she went and had the tests and, and she's got three kids and she's four years older and, and she was totally fine. Her eggs were totally raring to go, but we have very strong genetics in my family. We all look very similar, <laughs> um, which on one hand I thought, great, my kids will look like me. But on the other hand, I, I look very similar to her daughter. Like she could be my daughter. And I just thought, Oh gosh, I'll be in a room and I'll be thinking you look like my, you know, my sister or it's crazy. And I think if push had come to shove, we, we may have had to go down that path if we couldn't find someone else, but it was just a little close to home for me, just having the biological kind of connection between the two of them. And I thought she's a very maternal person as well. She's incredibly maternal. And I thought this might be hard for her. So you know, it was a great gesture, but we just decided at that point to decline. Um, and I actually wasn't at the point then that I thought I needed an egg donor, to be honest. So I declined that. And then um, it was about seven or so rounds of sorry, uh, the IVF. And we said, okay, let's park adoption and let's look seriously at India. So we got all the information. I researched the clinics. And um, we went to India and we did a round of IVF over there with myself. So we stayed for three weeks. I'd never really been to a country like that. I've been, you know, Bali and Thailand and a few other places, but, you know, mainly America and Italy and so Hawaii. And it was overwhelming. You know, we, it was a beautiful clinic. She's a very good doctor. I had no issues at all slightly run differently there the IVF is when they do the egg collection you're asleep and I'd never done that before so again I'm under complete anesthetic in a foreign country but I got some great eggs and we transferred into two different surrogates over the next couple of months um, and it didn't work and then we went back four months later and did another round with my eggs and um, unfortunately like halfway through this the cycle they're like there's no eggs but we we persevered and said let's just finish the cycle and we ended up getting i think six and it didn't work though so we just did one transfer and then um we came back we found a new ivf doctor here for me who decided that she was going to go all out with everything she had in terms of vitamins and all the other things that you don't necessarily find in the medical dictionaries and um, we did two rounds with her. The first one just didn't really work that well. I didn't get any eggs and it was kind of cancelled. And the second one was a perfect, perfect cycle. She was pleased. I was feeling amazing. I mean, we, she was so happy. She said, everything's working so well. You're in a good place. We got something like six or seven eggs out. 
they fertilized. My husband decided to go away for the weekend to a boys weekend because everything was perfect. And the morning of the transfer, they had to ring and say they had all died overnight. Um, And so I was outside the clinic waiting to go in. And so we'd done the surrogacy thing. We'd done the IVF again. And I just thought, I can't put my body through this again. I'd also suffered a mild stroke a few years prior. So halfway through the journey, I had, I ripped an artery. I had a vertebral artery dissection. Yeah. At the gym. And luckily, you know, I'm fine and it recovered, but it caused a mild stroke. And so then going back into IVF and then I just thought I have to give my body a break. I can't, this is 10 cycles now. I can't keep doing it. So we reached out again on that page about surrogacy and I'd heard some rumblings about Thailand and I just said to my doctor, what do you think about egg donation and surrogacy? And she said, get an egg donor. I'll get you pregnant. Get an egg donor. I promise I'll get you pregnant. And I was like, I'm just going to cut out that middle step. I just couldn't go through the IVF again. And I, I, I know that's not ideal, but it was almost like we were going to get there anyway. <laughs> Let's get there faster. So I started chatting to some people on a Facebook group that I was part of, you know, all the surrogacy ones and the egg donation ones. And I met a lovely lady and we chatted for a while and she offered, but the timing didn't work. Um, And then I met another person. She said, I know a friend and she's on the page, but she's quiet and she's kind of in the background a little bit. And we just ended up chatting and chatting for a good couple of months. And she just rang me one day and said, I would love to donate my eggs to you. Like it's, you know, we connect, we are similar looking, you know, not really, but dark hair, we're female, um, you know, it was, we're white. It was, uh, and so um, she offered and it, the timing was, you know, it was a bit of a funny one because we were off on a holiday to Hawaii. We had to change a few things and we ended up coming back on a Friday morning from Hawaii, staying at the airport and flying to Thailand that night. And just, it just, we just had to make it work. She donated before she had very, very strong um, eggs. So we knew like she'd had all the tests done. She'd her, every time she donated, it had worked the first or second time um, in the IVF process. She was happy to come overseas with us. She knew the process over there. Um, she wasn't afraid of all the unfortunate legalities and, and she was like, it's fine. So she came with us and we met her that night in the, you know, that was the first time we met. And she, I, I cannot, like, I can't thank her enough. You know, I, I owe my, my family most, you know, three, you know, two thirds of my family to her. Um, and so we met and she did the process over there. And of course, sitting in the clinic and watching someone else go through it is gut-wrenching in terms of not just because I wish it was me, but I know how hard it is. Like that process is once or twice is horrific. You know, I mean, obviously I did a lot more, but the injections and just the emotions and she had kids and a family and work. And she, I just found that overwhelming. So sitting in this clinic, and just it was intense and we met our surrogate and again just so intense you know they don't speak a lot of english i had a i'm quite a i run a lot of my life with moral and ethics that i think are very strong um and sitting in that clinic i felt torn really torn the same i did in india you know 
I felt like all the Facebook commentary on negative side of things was hard for me, but I met them and I saw how they were treated and I saw, you know, the clinics and I saw how much money they were getting. I met, I made sure we had a relationship. So I felt a bit better. I sent so many extra things like clothes and money and things that you're not supposed to do. But I was like, you've got kids. How can I not do this? I visited three or four times. Um, we had friends visit. So, you know, we went the process and then we were, the first time we put two embryos in and we didn't, you can't um, do the, I think you, can you do the sex selection in Thailand? I think you can, but we didn't. We just were like, we got um, 13 embryos that fertilized um, and we popped two in and uh, 10 days later we got a call saying, congratulations, <laughs> you're having twins. And we were like, are you actually joking? Like you've like, it just was beyond anything we had ever anticipated because 10 cycles, nothing worked. And we thought we'll just put two in because they were happy with two. They would never put three. We went through the process of what happens if there's triplets or fours or five. We, you know, we knew what would happen and what we had to make a decision on, but we thought twins, you know, she's carried kids before, um, she was older. She was 29. She wasn't this, you know, young 21 year old. And, um, and we also thought we had one shot, you know, this is it. We, we didn't know. And unfortunately now with Thailand, we did have one shot. That was it. You know, we couldn't have gone back. Um, so we just was like, wow, too. Okay. This is, you know, and so the whole time, like boy or girl, boy or girl, what are we having? What are we having? And we, we have one of each. Um, and unfortunately we got caught up in that horrific, horrific legal battle, you know? Um, so tell me about that. Was, so, because, yeah. um, with India, the doors closed and then not yep, long after closed. Thailand closed. So were you in the middle yep. of like having we babies? But, wow. Tell me about that. She was 20, 20 weeks pregnant and she went into hospital at 20, how, uh, 19 weeks I announced it to work I think and at 20 weeks she had bleeding so I was like why oh my god I can't believe I've told work and I'm not going to be a parent and she was all right she had three days in the hospital and, and it was okay and Thailand's very oh please, she's in hospital she's okay send money and it's like okay can you give me any more information they're like no she's good send money we need to pay the hospital so it's very processed and you don't get a lot. And we flew over, we had someone fly over and check on her and um, that was okay. And then about a week after or two weeks after we, I get this text, turn on the news, turn on the news. And it's all over the news that, that awful story about the twins, um, you know, baby Gammy. And all of a sudden I knew so much more about surrogacy and law and anything I thought I would have to know because it was just, we were pregnant and they were saying the first thing we got was no Australian is going to leave with their baby unless you get a court order. And so we thought, okay, let's plan for that. Okay. We'll have to live in Thailand for six months. I'll live in Phuket. It's fine. <laughs> you know, That's fine. I won't work, but I'll have the babies. It's okay. Then they said, um, no, okay, you can leave, but you know, you're going to have to go through the court system. It'll take, you know, two weeks. I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. Then it was like, you can't leave. And then, you know, the whole time I'm thinking this poor surrogate thinks we're not going to want our babies. Cause there were, there were stories out there that people were leaving their kids. And so we flew over in September and just met her and said, and the twins were born in November. So I went over with my mom and we, you know, we had a friend who knew someone who could translate for us. So, and she was a friend. So she went with us everywhere. 
And we just said, we are coming back. We are definitely coming back. These are our babies. And she was fine. She lived out in a village. She probably hadn't even seen the news, to be honest. Um, but it was scary. Um, and then they, the embassy was fantastic. They were, I cannot fault them. They would be in constant contact with us and say, don't worry, we're working with the government. And then they finally changed their laws and said, um, you can leave. Whoever's pregnant right now will leave. You'll just have to have all this paperwork. You'll have to prove a lot more stuff, like bring everything with you. So every piece of paper you can see about yourself and, you know, history and resumes and everything bring with you. And then we got there and it was actually fine. The media was awful. There was a lot more um, negativity in the, in the media about surrogacy. And so on top of not carrying your own children, you're, you know, tw- a 10 hour flight away from someone who is, you don't know if they're okay. You're stressing about that. And then you're stressing about the fact that, will I leave the country? Okay. Are people going to be at the airport protesting when I get to Sydney? And so it was, it was stressful, but I think going through it with a whole bunch of other people made it a lot better because we would always be talking to uh, you just be in constant contact with people on messenger groups. And then the first person left and I remember they got turned away at the airport and they had to go to the embassy and fly out the next day with their surrogate on a holiday. Wow. Um, okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, then they terrifying. said, okay, it was terrifying. And it was, I knew it was a gay couple and, and their mum and their surrogate and the surrogate's friend all went back to the airport the next day with a trip to Singapore. And they're like, we're going on a holiday. So it, it, but then they changed it and we turned up, everything was fine. The babies were born at 35 weeks. Um, they were mostly healthy. I think, you know, our little girl, Scarlett was not breathing a hundred percent, but they, you know, she was totally fine. We had decided to pay for a hospital 45 minutes out of the city, away from the, all the hoopla of the, you know, the surrogacy. And it was, there was three babies in the nursery. It was amazing. They just said, here's a room where you can come every day and carry, you know, hold your babies and feed them. They were there for three days. That was it. <laughs> they were like, get them out of here. Um, so it actually worked out fine. And then the, sur- the, the um, embassy just kept saying, come in anytime you want. You come here and you ask us questions. You bring the babies in and we'll do everything. We'll tell you the process. So they were very good with what we had to do. We were there a month, you know, and all the paperwork basically. And we met Australian couples that we are still so close to that live around us that have twins as well. And so I think it was incredibly stressful. I mean, it was beyond anything I've ever had to go through working, you know, in a corporate job and not talking about it. And I didn't want anyone at this, at my work to know where I was going. So I didn't want the country. So they all assumed it was Australia. Um, and then only when they were born, did I Skype them? And I was like, like my boss knew. And only then I was like, Oh, I'm in Thailand. <laughs> so I think um, it was just a thing to keep. I just was a bit nervous because of all the legality stuff that was going on, I knew that I lived in New South Wales and um, that's not ideal, which I just think is, uh, you know, I think these laws are ridiculous. I think they just, it's, it's just archaic to my, in my head. And I think, you know, really backwards, but I'm trying to work through that at the moment with other stuff. And, you know, the other thing about Thailand is I'm not on the birth certificate. So it's, that's really, really difficult um, in terms of, just 
you don't even think about it until they're like, oh, we need to see your child's birth certificate. And then you're like, oh, gosh, okay. Yeah, and then so it's the story. tell me about oh. that um, because I do often have people asking me uh, if they're yeah. doing surrogacy, then in many countries these days they do put both intended parents on the birth certificate mm. and the yep. surrogate. But in cases like yours where the surrogate remains on the birth certificate, what sort of challenges mm. have you faced with that? It hasn't been too bad because obviously um, the birth certificates are like an Australia federal thing. And so um, it's not too bad in terms of up to now. What um, What we're doing at the moment is passports and that is a challenge. So, you know, we're just navigating that right now. We're not in touch with the surrogate. She, we've been back twice and we have been in touch with her. We've met her and her family. We've spent a day with her. I, I've always said I will tell my kids the way they were born, the way they were conceived. I've got all the books. We talk about it all the time. But we went and we went back when they were 18 months old. And I cannot tell you, my kids aren't that, um, you know, the 18 months, they were quite clingy. And the minute she walked into the room, they ran to her and just grabbed her and embraced her. And I thought, they know they know something. And then we went back when they were two and a half. And again, they were incredible. Like they, you know, and then we went back last year um, again, because we are trying to change the birth certificate. So we went back for a legal thing and um, yeah. So I think the only, like, I just think they're archaic law. So I just think Australia is so behind in a lot of things, you know, to do with fertility and women and their health and, and pregnancy and everything, you know, it's so, uh, we're just so far behind the world. And um, I think it, my it is hard. Is that the, generally parents like yourselves don't usually have trouble if they've then established citizenship by descent and they can do Medicare yep. and Centrelink, but it is always when yes. they apply for the passport that they hit the hurdles because they're meant Correct. to have consent from Permission. a surrogate yeah that's right who hasn't had any parental responsibility and hasn't been involved for however many years yeah i mean that's what's so frustrating we've got medicare we've got Centrelink. my kids go to a daycare now they're at school you know we've enrolled them we've never had a problem with Centrelink payments you know i was very nervous when we got back i was quite nervous i didn't understand the difference between the federal law type of things and my husband was always like don't worry about it like it's federal they're not going to worry it worried me, obviously. There's a record somewhere that they've got a surrogacy agreement that has my name on it. Obviously, I worry. But now we're navigating the kids' passports have expired. We made a decision last year to someone in my group has said that she's done the name transfer in Thailand. So her name is now on the birth certificate. As with anything in Thailand, you've got to be quick. Um, things change all the time. And we went last year twice um, to Thailand and we went to court. My husband was in like a proper court. We had a, lo- a lawyer, we had a barrister. It was quite intimidating um, and we got it approved and my name was put onto a, um, we have like a, a document that says a court order that I'm the parent. And at the last minute, Thailand decides they're going to change things and they're not changing birth certificates anymore. So we've paid all this money. We've been to court. We have the court order and they're like, no, that document has to stay the same. So we're fighting it. Obviously, it's still more money. It's more time. We're trying. Thailand takes 10 times the time that you expect it to. So we're in no hurry. But in the meantime, we want to go overseas with our kids. And so 
we're just going to lodge the applications and see what happens. I mean, that's the worst thing that they can say, no, you need a surrogate. And then there's forms you can do that say we're not in touch with them anymore. And, you know, so it just adds an element of challenge, just another five steps. And you think, wow, I don't have time for this. I have barely time to go to the dentist rather than fill out 10 forms. Um, I'm really interested in that because I do think (laughs) that um, for intended parents that have gone through surrogacy, like all parents with a newborn, you've got so much going on in your, in your life. And on addition to that, you've got a hell of a lot of paperwork to do to recognize yourselves as the parent and to do all the things that regular parents are doing. Yeah. Extraordinary. Regular parents. I mean, I'm, I've had these twins with me since day three of their life. I visited them. We weren't unfortunately allowed to give them a cuddle on their birthday, but day one, day two, day three, I cuddled them for hours. I fed them. I changed their nappies. I washed them. They slept in a hospital room. Yes, fair enough. But on day three of their life, I took them home and I've been with them pretty much every single day of their life, you know, and I can't, yeah, I can't like do all the simple things like get a passport with one form because the government has decided that, oh no, that's, you're not their intended parent or real parent. And I think, wow, I'm not a criminal and there are criminals out there doing horrific things to children and they probably could get a passport for their kids. Um, so we're trying, that's, that's probably the most difficult thing that I'm going through, you know, at the moment because everything else, birth certificates don't come up, you know, we're navigating a little bit at the moment. They've started school and um, they do a lot on history. And so this is their first year. They're in kindergarten and, um, you know, they do family history. And so we've had to explain to the teachers, just so you know, they were born in Thailand and they were born by a surrogate. Um, they don't understand the egg donor thing. So we haven't even talked. Like we, we kind of skim across it, but I don't think they're at that level yet. But we talk about um, the book, The Kangaroo Pouch. And, you know, we... So we do want people to talk to them about it. We don't want them to be like, oh, mummy just had you in Thailand accidentally on holiday. Um, so <laughs> we, but that's the other thing that we, they're five. So they're starting to ask questions and, you know, people might have two mums or two dads or their friends, parents don't live together. So, you know, we have to talk about it, but obviously within reason with a five-year-old's knowledge. So that's the other thing that I think is a challenge, but it's so normal in our house that half the time I don't even remember that they were born by a surrogate like, or an egg donor. I, I don't even, it doesn't ever come into my head until someone asks me a question or I'll have someone said something the other day and I was like, oh yeah, um, Felix has blue eyes like me and oh yeah, he's got, and I thought, wait a minute, that's not genetic. <laughs> that's, you know, that's, wait a minute, hold on a second there. Like it's just, I forget. And so, you know, it's, it's, it just doesn't come into my mind. But I, of course, think about our surrogate and egg donor in the important times. And I would always, always remember that they're part of our extended family, of course. So tell me about the next little one that came along that wasn't <laughs> by a surrogate. How did you find yourself having a baby? I mean, obviously, we know how you found yourself having a baby. But how did, how did you, somebody from having yeah. that almost a decade of IVF treatment come to having yep. a baby naturally. Amazing. 
incredible. It was just, I mean, the twins were nearly four. And so we were, you know, thinking about the school starting and, you know, a whole, just one more year of daycare. And we thought, great, we're going to be, we're going to be rich. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> no more fees. And then um, the funniest thing is that, so I was turning 40 uh, that year. So I turned 40 in September and then my husband and I often travel for work separately. And I, I think it's the funniest because I went away. I go to Holland a lot for work and I went to Holland for two weeks and it was the first year that we'd actually had a crossover of a couple of days we wouldn't see each other. So he left two days before I got back and he left for two weeks to go to a conference in America. And um, when he got back, it had been four weeks without seeing each other. Now, I don't know if that means anything, but apparently <laughs> that's all we needed. So we got pregnant and um, I had, I wasn't feeling that sick at the beginning. I just, I had a couple, I, you know, I was throwing up a couple of times and I thought, gosh, there's something wrong. Like I'm not feeling well. And, um, but I just, I was working very, very hard. I work, I'm in an HR role. I'm head of HR for a, a corporate and he works in finance and I was very stressed and there was a lot going on. We had our company conference and I just thought that was it. And then I'd had some issues, um, a feeling a bit funny around um, my period. And I thought, I'd had pain for about six months and I thought I really need to get this checked because it's not right. Something is going on in there again and it's causing pain. And I was due to have surgery um, kind of end of November. And I just thought to myself, I'm just going to do a test because I'm very late. And, you know, I thought my husband was like, gosh, don't do a test. What a waste of money. Like, you know, <laughs> why would you, why would you waste that money? You never get pregnant. And I did a test two days before I was supposed to have surgery and it was positive. And wow. it was, I mean, because I'd never, ever had a positive on a pregnancy test before because it never had worked. I was like, I didn't even know how to react. I honestly didn't even know how to react. And it just so happened that my husband was in Brisbane for work. So I was alone in the house with my twins at six o'clock in the morning, shocked, just shocked I didn't even know what to say I rang him and it was 5am in Brisbane <laughs> and I think I just said I'm pregnant because he answered the phone because he's like something's wrong I said I'm pregnant and he's like I'll call you later I said yeah okay like <laughs> didn't, we didn't even know what to say to each other so I recognized this conversation when I told my husband <laughs> I was pregnant after our first was an IVF baby and we did just kind of look at each other and go yeah okay uh, what, do, what do we do I just, now <laughs> what do we I actually didn't know what to do I was like I don't do, do I go to a doctor like what what's the process <laughs> and so I went to work and I think there are a few expletives in there as well because I was just by myself in the house like with these four-year-old twins like I've got to get this daycare I have to work like I have to get to work this is crazy and so I went to work I was just it was in the back of my head and I was just I felt like everyone was looking at me like can you tell okay this is weird <laughs> No one could tell. And then um, I did four more tests at the toilet at work, <laughs> just to be sure. Now, I don't know what pregnancy tests look like, but this was definitely pregnant. Like they were dark blue. And so there were a lot more expletives in that toilet as well. Like I just thought, God, whoever was in that toilet must have thought, what is wrong with her? Um, and then I went to the doctor and obviously we spoke, you know, I told my husband when he got home, I'm like, yeah, that's, it's definitely pregnant. Um, and as much as I want to say that I was this so joyous person and I was so excited, it was three months of, firstly, I was horrendously unwell. 
I was, you know, I was 40, which it's not, okay, I'm not the oldest person in the world, but I'm, you know, you have four-year-old twins, you're 40, you're tired, you know, and I've got a big job. I'm, you know, I work in corporate. I had actually just been promoted about two months prior to a diff, like a, a double job. So I was looking after two senior roles and I was like, oh my God, like it, it was exciting in a way, but it was, I, I was so shocked that for the first three months, we barely spoke about it. Then I came back down with this horrible virus. So I ended up in hospital and um, they couldn't decide if it was just the morning sickness that had gone into the hyper, whatever it's called, or it was a virus and it ended up just being a virus, but it was just three days of sickness. So I think everything just started to like dampen the situation of being excited. And then to be honest, it got to the end of 12 weeks and we said, oh, well, I guess we're keeping the baby. Like we just made it, we didn't even make a decision. We were just like, let's not talk about it. And then it was like 12 weeks. We're like, okay, we're having a baby, I guess. And I was, you know, I was nervous pretty much the whole time because I'd never been able to keep a pregnancy. I, you know, they suspected once I'd had a miscarriage, but they couldn't really tell at what point, you know, again, through IVF, it's so hard to tell when, you know, and then I, they just, yeah. So I think for 12, for, for the nine months, I was pretty nervous that this wasn't real and that I, something's going to happen. It's going to come out. It's, you know, it's not going to be right. It's not going to be healthy. Unfortunately, um, just before I found out I was pregnant, my sister-in-law had lost a child um, and he was 20 days old when he passed away. So we, he, we knew he wasn't going to survive. He was unwell and he was born with a heart condition. But I guess, you know, having that in the back of my mind, having the fact that I had never been able to hold a pregnancy, it was just very much denial for nine months. Like people would be like, oh my God, you're pregnant, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, okay. Anyway, do you want to, <laughs> do you want to talk about something else? And you know, and at work, I barely, I wasn't that woman that walked around rubbing her tummy or wearing things that was like, here's my growing belly. It was like, <laughs> I tried to wear my same clothes the whole night. I remember being like that as well. And, yeah. and actually, I'm not too sure whether it's particular to women like us who have conceived after infertility, Yeah. Um, particularly if it's a natural conception, is that you are kind of in complete disbelief for so long. I yep. struggled with people bringing attention to my pregnant belly because I still 100%. hadn't quite reconciled that it was happening until he actually 100%. arrived. I was almost yeah. in disbelief. Yeah. The whole time. A hundred percent. Like I think, you know, I was desperate to know what the gender was. We found out very early it was a girl. Um, and I think my husband was like that as well. He's like, don't worry about a surprise. Like we found out with the twins. We're like, it's surprise enough. Let's just, you know, so I think I wanted to have this connection because I was tr like, I was really trying hard to connect to the baby, but I was, I probably struggled the most to be like, Oh, there's my baby. Oh, wow. You know, and she was a very quiet baby in my um, belly as well. So she barely moved. <laughs> so I didn't feel like these constant tumble turns. So I ended up in hospital again, a couple of times just for checkups because she was just very quiet. She was quite small. I didn't put on a lot of weight. I was very small. I kept you know, going to the gym, I kept running, I kept my life as normal as I could. I also had, you know, four-year-old twins running around. I had a big job. So it was almost like this secondary thing I was carrying around, <laughs> but I felt tired all the time. So I was very aware that there was this thing that was, you know, growing, but um, the acceptance probably the day before I had her, 
um, I went for a walk with my husband um, and we went in Manly and he took a photo of me in, and it was a great photo. There's the light is coming from behind. So it's like a silhouette on Manly beach and it's daytime. It's beautiful. And um, I looked at it and I thought, gosh, I haven't really, like I've taken photos of myself of my belly. Cause I thought my friend said to me, you will regret it if you don't like, do not be, you know, 80 years old and be like, I wish I'd taken some photos. So I took photos privately. I put nothing on social media. I didn't announce it on social media. You know, not like with the twins who I was like plastering everything all over because we were so happy. But I kept it quite private and my friends knew. Um, we, I rang people to tell them. My friend threw me a very small baby shower. Um, we kept the, everything off social media just because I was every point I got to, I thought, but what if I bleed or what if I lose her or what if she comes out and she's got a disease and she has a heart condition like my nephew, what if, you know, all these what ifs. So I thought I wanted as low key. And then the minute she came out, we had a planned cesarean. Um, it was very calm. I had an amazing obstetrician. It was perfect. You know, like it's, I mean, it's still surgery, but it was very fine. She was fine. I, you know, I recovered really well. And the minute she came out, I was like, oh my gosh, like this sigh of relief. I was so worried she'd come out with like no fingers, or no toes. Like I just, these things, I'm like, how many toes does she have? And they're just like, she's perfect. She's fine. You know? So I think I was holding my breath probably for nine months and then she came out and it was like, wow, okay. I, this is okay now. Now I, and then it was like, Oh my God, I've got three children. <laughs> <laughs> I know then reality really steps in and because you've got to like, accept it. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, wow, I forgot I didn't sleep for the first six months of my twin's <laughs> life. Oh my God. Yeah. Now I'm tired. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, it's incredible. You know, I think anyone I've told who knows me, is like, Oh, I've got chills. I've got chills. You know, like this isn't, or people who don't even know me and they're like, oh, wow, you know, you're twins. And I say, listen, they were born by a surrogate and, and Bella I carried and, and they're like, oh, oh, my God, I've got chills, you know. So people really love a story and I think they love the fact that people say it never, ever happens to, it's like their friend's friend's auntie's cousin it happened to. And then the minute they meet you and they know that it happened to you, I don't know if you find this, they're like, oh, you're one of those people. You're a freak. One of those, <laughs> you're one of those people. And then, of course, the, the comments will come out about, Oh, oh yeah. so you just yeah. needed to relax. You just needed yeah. to have yeah. a holiday. Yeah. The body knows what to do. Correct. All of those comments that are actually not very helpful. Yeah. Um, and also no, not very true. Not at either. all. Yeah. That's hundred <laughs> percent. And then you, you do, it's exactly right. And you'll be like, and they'll say, Oh gosh, don't you regret going through all that surrogacy and IVF? And I'm like, well, not really because I've got my twins and they're like, Oh, you should have just waited till you're 40. Then you would have had a baby. And I'm like, really do you think that's how it works like i think the body is an incredible thing and obviously something has awoken itself in there maybe i was premenopausal and it was getting rid of all my eggs like who, who knows you know but i the body is incredible but it doesn't help like it i would never walk up to a woman and be like oh you've had a miscarriage and now you've got a baby you must be stoked it's like come on like oh, all your body needed was to just get rid of one and have another it's it just doesn't make sense to me that people still, you know, <laughs> just they don't get that side of things for women. And, you know, it's, I think it's taken me a long time, but now I'm like, yeah, okay. But yes, it's, you know, like a lot of it's like, oh, was, was she a natural? And you go, well, yeah, she was conceived naturally. Yep. Okay. And they go, oh, wow. Did you breastfeed? Oh, did you have a cesarean? Oh, you had a cesarean. Oh, wow. Oh, and then it's like the twins or the, 
twins natural or were they IVF or were they, you know, two, are they identical? And you're just like, oh my God, like seriously, there's, <laughs> there's appropriate questions. And then there's just yes. like, how about saying you're doing a great job? Yeah. <laughs> right. And I kids. think as you know, that everyone's got an opinion and everyone loves yeah. a story and they can't uh, always yeah. help themselves expressing an opinion, even if it's perhaps... <laughs> hurtful or unhelpful yeah that's right yeah 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 so yeah. having done surrogacy in thailand yep. which is now mm -hmm. as far as we know it's closed off um yeah do you yep. have any, any advice for intended parents who are looking at going overseas what they mm -hmm. should be doing in terms of their research to hopefully avoid mm -hmm. having the the stress of ending up in the, the stress yeah yeah i guess i'll start with saying if you're looking at it persevere that would be my thing um, and I'll, obviously I'll think about, I'll talk about what advice I would give, but I would just say, if you are not getting pregnant and you want a baby and you've tried all avenues here, do not give up. I mean, I, the minute I didn't have an, the minute an IVF cycle was canceled or didn't work, then I let myself have one day where I ate M&Ms and sat in the house and cried. And the next day I was on my laptop going, not the next step. So I would always say, allow yourself to grieve and then move up and go, what's next? So never give up. There's always an avenue, whether it's adoption or surrogacy or donation or, you know, fostering into adoption. There's always an option around the world. So I would say research what countries are doing it and never give up. I would say in terms of advice, um, do your research. So get onto your groups with Facebook, get on your groups online, talk to like yourself, a lawyer, talk to people who've done it before about their experiences, go to the conferences that surrogacy has available. Make sure you do your research, but take it with, you know, take it with a bit of a grain of salt because agencies will be there to say, come over with us, come over with us, but take it all on board, go home, read it, write it all out. This is how I do it. You know, this, I'm very big on planning. <laughs> and I think, um, look at the pros and cons of every single place before you make a decision. There's so many people out there that have got experience and they will be honest more so than the agencies and the clinics. So talk to the people who've done it. And there is a big community that will talk and will share. Pick a place where you feel comfortable. You know, it can be very, very expensive. And I know that that's a challenge. You know, the US would have been our absolute top pick, but we don't have $200,000, you know, it's just that was way out of what we wanted to be, you know, what we could spend, you know. So I think, you know, close to 100000 is probably what we did spend. But this, you know, America is very expensive, but it's ideal. Canada, you know, there's a lot of European countries. So I would say there are different countries that might appeal to yourself and your own ethics and morals and how you live your life and what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. I've met people that would absolutely never have gone to India or never have gone to Thailand. And that's okay. Um, I know how I feel about it and I know the truth and, and how comfortable I am, but I'd say just persevere, get your information and make the decision that's right for you, but just don't give up. Like I think if you, that, if you want a baby that badly, it can happen. And out of all the people in the world, who want a baby so badly, you know, we're the ones that really, if you're going to go through all of that, you definitely want a baby, you know, you're not going to do it because you think, Oh, this might be fun. So I think, you know, we, the, the surrogacy community and, and the donation community and all the people that do this, even IVF, you really do need to want it pretty badly. So these kids are going to be 
the most loved children in the entire world because parents fought so hard to get them, you know, conceived and born and then brought home. So I'd just say, just keep, keep going and reach out to anyone, you know, for advice and, and work on it in your own way, but, but just don't give up. It's so important. Thank you for listening to the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. If you are looking for more information, you can find it on the blog. Listen to more podcast episodes at sarahjefford.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at sarah at sarahjefford.com.